what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange on the Mesh Podcast Network, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host. I'm the director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina, in beautiful Western North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who is dean of the School of Business, Industry, and Technology at Catawba Valley Community College. Gary, how you doing, buddy? Jeff, I'm doing great. It's uh, getting a little bit warmer, finally. Uh, of course, we're out of school with uh, graduations, and uh, it's summer has hit us. Well, and uh, you know, like uh, many on the East Coast, lots of rain has been hitting us, and now we're, uh, we're here on the first day of June, and the forecast is looking a little bit better, but uh, we hope that our, our friends in other parts of Western North Carolina and other parts of the country are drying out and uh, that everybody is safe and sound. Yes, I think we could have spread this rain out throughout the summer. We'll probably be wishing we had rain in August. But right now, everything's green. Everything is definitely green, and we'll be mowing later today, I exactly. suspect. That's exactly so. right. On today's show, yeah, we, often, we usually have a guest, but yes. we don't have a guest today because it is our special mailbag edition where we're cleaning out our files and answering questions that, we re- that we've received from you, our listeners, about starting businesses, running businesses, entrepreneurships, and other strange things that are on your mind. So, uh, you know, one of the, it's, it's the mailbag edition. You I'm excited really about excited about it. When you talked about doing this, I said, I think it makes sense. We get all these great questions and comments from our uh, readers, viewers, and listeners. I know. It, the first two. And, you, and usually, you know, I, I try to do these without actually showing you the questions ahead of time to get your, your unbiased innocent uh, thoughts on these things but i but i i, Thank you I for did the word innocent yeah I, I did try to send you a few of them ahead of time so you could give thoughts so maybe one of us would have intelligent answers to to some of the questions that we well, got assuming you have intelligent answers will be at least one of us that's a big assumption but uh you know we're going to plow ahead you know i suspect some of our listeners are probably saying you know, are you guys lazy? You, you know, you just, you know, you're, 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 you're not, you didn't bring us a guest, you didn't do this, but, you know, we, you know, we, we, we've gotten some pretty good questions yeah, I think from we've our, gotten from a lot of really good questions, and sometimes we feel uh, like we don't get a chance to answer some of these questions or address them, so I think this is a great opportunity. And uh, we also will, uh, when we, we'll, we'll, we'll try to empty out the mailbag a bit and at least answer the questions that uh, we can on this PG-13 slash R-rated uh, podcast. And uh, uh, we also do have our small businesses of the month. So yes, we'll, I'm excited to talk about mine. Yeah, so I, I know it. So you're, you're a little you're, out of character. I know. Me. You're going a little bit off the rails, and I yeah. like it. You know, so that's, that's great. So anyway, uh, but let's jump into our mailbag. So the first question we got which was from Mandy, uh, was what do we need to know about GDPR and how will it affect us in the United States? You know, when I read this question, my first thought thought was, you know, what the heck is GDPR? And And that is mine. And my other thought was, hey, Mandy, you think we're like trademark uh, legal lawyers or here or what's, you know, what's going on with you? You know, have you not been listening to the the Entrepreneur Exchange? But but, uh, I did a little bit of research and GDPR stands for 
the General Data Protection Regulation, which is a legal framework that sets guidelines for the collection and processing of personal information of individuals within the European Union. And uh, they actually went into effect on May 25th. They cover all companies that deal with data of EU citizens. So it's really pretty critical specifically for banks, insurance, and other financial companies uh, that are operating in the EU or they have customers in the EU. As far as U.S. companies go, if they are doing business in the EU, uh, European Union, and uh, uh, they're supposed to be complying with this, as U.S. companies uh, handle data of EU citizens, uh, they're, they're supposed to be monitoring that and, and, and controlling that. And going online, it talked about there, there, there are really no set regulations, but some best practices for this are, number one, identifying where you might have sensitive data. If you have databases that include information about EU citizens, you need to be trying to uh, identify where it is, control it, now, make sure it's, there's some limits to it. You need to determine who has access to it. Understand who has access to your customer data. Reconcile it with who should have access to it. You, you sort of want to limit that. And then you want to create and prevent uh, create preventive and defective controls. Users should only have access to the minimum resources they need, and access to sensitive data should be highly restricted. You need to build a model that aligns to your business's needs, but you need to have something documented just in case it ever comes up. Now, I will say for most of the small businesses that you or I work with, this is a non-issue. And, uh, you know, unless this is something where you're, you have a significant number of customers, I, I kind of doubt that it's going to be an issue for you. But good to, good to know. Good to know. And actually, I've heard a little bit about this in the last week or so, maybe, because some of these data breaches and different issues, and learned that there were, my understanding is these are a little bit more strict uh, based on what I've heard on TV. And again, I don't know if it's real news or fake news or uninformed news, but it's something we should be thinking about. Again, I think for our most of our small business customers, it's probably not an issue, but it is something that I've heard because of all the different issues with data and trying to uh, control it that it did come up that Europe and we need to be aware of that if we're doing business over there. Well, and, and you know... But that's it, all I really know about Well, you know, I did, you know, in order to try to better answer this question, I did travel to Europe oh, that's uh, right. in the last couple of weeks. So did you learn anything uh, in your travels about how to... Uh, do a better job if you're a small business person. You know, I, I learned much more about <laughs> the, the various wine of France. But, well, that's, uh, that could be a small business. Well, I appreciate that, and I, 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 I appreciate your understanding. hope that you will sign off on my expense report Absolutely. when it hits your desk next fine. week. So. We'll have to check with Dr. Hinshaw. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's, certain things he does not need to know. Okay. Well, thank you for that question, Mandy, because that's really going to really uh, get our listeners excited about this podcast. Perhaps we should have put that question toward the end uh, uh, yeah, I'm not sure it's the most exciting, the exciting question. So I'll try to well, jump. I want to share that we cover the gamut well, of topics. That's right. And for the five people still listening, let's move <laughs> on. So, um, so here's a question from Dave and Charlotte. I'm hopping around a little bit. Uh, what would be step one in learning about marketing on the Internet? And what is this Amazon thing that I keep hearing about? So... Uh, 
yeah, I think he's being somewhat facetious, but yes. but uh, obviously using the internet to market your business can be a very cost effective approach. And you know, before we jump out and say here are the things that you should be doing, you know, it's really going to depend upon Dave. It's going to depend upon your business in that if you are. Um, for example, if you have a retail, a physical retail location, uh, you might be focusing on getting on, on, on Google and various online directories so people can better find your location and find you and get to your site. If, on the other hand, you are selling products, uh, you, you may make the determination that to expand your market, you want to sell your products online. And then you have a choice or, or some decisions to make in terms of should you set up your own website. Shopify is a very good platform for setting up websites to sell products. Or you can use a third party, and Amazon, I think, would, would be the biggest. The, you know, but eBay or, or other various platforms are also useful for selling products on, online. Uh, uh, Amazon, and, and we could probably do a whole show on selling on Amazon as long as we had a guest that knew more about it That's than exactly. you and I. <laughs> but uh, uh, Amazon uh, does work with, with many, many small businesses to help sell their products. And, and you, as a small business person, have some choices in that uh, you can use Amazon to actually inventory and provide fulfillment services for your product for a fee. And it's worth checking that out. Or you can just use them to uh, promote, advertise your product. Uh, if you sell more than 40 items a month, there's a flat monthly fee, fee that you can pay of $39.99 to be an Amazon Pro. If it's less than that, you can uh, set up with them at just $0.99 cents per transaction. So you know, it can be a pretty cost-effective way to reach an incredibly big market. You also have to recognize there are, other, there are, there are certainly a lot of people out there on Amazon. So um, you, know, you, you, you need to do a little bit of research to make sure that your pricing and, and product is comparable. Well, one thing I'd say in addition, because you did a great job of highlighting the key things, is sometimes we see our small business clients, our students, and say, okay, I need to do, because people are talking about marketing on the Internet. Well, it may not be the specific thing that's going to work best for them. They need to understand what's the proper marketing tools they should be using for the product or service, which you talked about. Mm-hmm. And that was the headline. That was a headline. You, got, you like rang the bell. You know, more cowbell for Gary. So. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, and, and uh, obviously you can also use... Um, uh, social media uh, as, as a, a way to promote your your business on the internet. Uh, uh, you know, just only quick hints I will provide there is to say that uh, you want to make sure the plat the social media platforms that you're using are appropriate to the people that you are trying right. to reach. Exactly. You know, if you're you got to match, you don't just do it because Johnny or Janie said down the street got to use this platform. It may not be appropriate for your market. Right, right. You know, if you're trying to reach younger people, they're 
they're probably going to be more likely to be on uh, uh, Instagram or YouTube or Snapchat. If you're trying to reach old people like Gary and myself, you might uh, want to try Facebook, which is, you know, a lot of people are on. But as, as older people get on Facebook, the younger people run for the exits to get off of Facebook. So you just want to make sure you're doing that. Don't feel like you need to do every social media um, uh platform uh, you, it's more it's it would be better to be very active and engaged on a few as opposed to trying to do too many so that's that's where I'll, that's what I will yeah. say about that well and I agree with it you know, better to be good at a few things than uh, be the jack of all trades and not real strong in any of them so here's we we, we got a couple of interesting questions uh, regarding some very specific uh, industries uh, this is, one is from Charles in Illinois Good that we have listeners in Illinois. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who wants to start a weed farm and distribution chain. Do you recommend Sativa or Indica? Thanks in advance from Charles. Now, I, I, you know, I, I, it makes me wonder how much Charles does listen to our podcast because I don't think either <laughs> you or I, we, we don't, I don't think, come off as being experts in the weed business. No, but it could be that we're in, he feels like we're impacted by it. We're impacted by it, or perhaps he thinks we should be impacted by it. I don't know. So, so you know, doing a little bit of research, you know, and hopefully the college uh, uh, IT department, which looks at all the websites that I visit, uh, knows that I only do this for, for, for purposes of helping entrepreneurs and not for personal gain or anything. Well, I'm glad you told me you did the research because I did get an email from our IT guy asking me what you were researching. Well, so anyway, 30, now there are now 33 states that allow for medical marijuana use, and there are eight mm-hmm. states that now allow recreational marijuana use. So, I mean, there, there is an industry out yeah. there. You know, North Carolina, where you and I reside, is not one of them. Right. So it's not like you or I have a, a, a lot of interaction as far as our listener, listeners know of, uh, w- with this particular industry. But, you know, as, as I'm sure you and I both know from our, our, our college days, you know, Indica is more of a to help you sleep and help you to relax. And, and Sativa can help clear your mind and can sometimes energize you. I'm more of an Indica kind of guy. I, prove, I, I think I need... you know that because I honestly have to say... I don't know. Oh, right, yeah. I didn't know until you just. Yeah. Told oh, me. come on, Gary! You were a college athlete uh, back was, in your Wake Forest days. I'm sure you got into some trouble here and there. No, I, but I'd watch my friends. Okay, okay I'm going to stick to that story. How's that? That sounds good. That sounds good. <laughs> so I, you know, I'm I'm more for I was the a designated non-smoker. I, I I will say that I saw an article in my local newspaper just today from AP that was talking about uh, how. The regulations making it legal in certain states has really put the pricing for marijuana on a very downward spiral, and there's actually an, an oversupply, at least in Oregon. And I know our friend Charles is in Illinois, and I don't even know what the laws are in Illinois, so be careful out there, Charles. There you go. Uh, but uh, it talked about that the price, I think it was per gram of marijuana had gone in just in the last couple of years from $14 a gram to $7 a gram. So you that's know, the free market. That's the free market. So you, you know, we, we also recommend that's that you put, you put a business plan together and understand how much marijuana you're going to have to sell 
in order to be successful, and we hope that you don't get arrested doing this. Although if you use it enough, then you may not worry about it. How's this, that? That's <laughs> it's the sort of expert commentary that we provide here there on the Entrepreneur know. Exchange. Uh, a related question that we got was, do I need to be a pharmacist to sell medical pot? I saw that question. And uh, from, the, from the research that I did, it really depends on the state. It's really a state-by-state state, uh, uh, legislation or regulation of how medical marijuana is distributed. So... Um, uh, for example, in California, they had various licenses depending on what your role was in the supply chain from cultivator to retailer to testing lab. So you really have to go to your state and look at the regulations and legislations. And You know, that's a really good uh, rule to follow anyway, doing business to look at the specific states because there are going to be a lot of different things. And they could cost you a little bit of money or a little bit of time if uh, you don't know the specific rules of each state. Well, and, and from the Aura Clouds reading in Oregon, I think that they're actually not giving out licenses right now, or, or I say giving out, they're not they're gr- not granting licenses just because of the oversupply right now. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, it's a it's really a state by state thing. Who would have thunk when we started the Entrepreneur Exchange that we would spend a little segment talking about medical marijuana and, and the marijuana business? I mean, it's- that's why we have to be open to what's out there because you just never know what might take place. That's right. That's right. Who, who knows what the future may bring? That's right. All right. A, uh, a question uh, that, uh, from a fellow in Charlotte. I heard Congress pass sweeping tax reform last year. How will that impact small businesses? What form of organization should we consider when forming a new company? So, so this is true. I, I, I checked, uh, you know, I'm, I'm certainly aware of the tax reform. I'm not as aware of the details, but I contacted uh, an accountant friend. And, and really, the, one of the big headlines that has been out there is that um, there's now a 20% reduction in taxable income for pastor businesses. So if you have a LLC, mm-hmm. if you're a sole proprietor, you can get a 20% deduction on your income, I believe, up to $300,000. Um, so as far as being a pass-through business or having a pass-through entity, there is some advantage yes. to that. There are some other things, uh, advantages, that my accountant friend also passed along. said, basically, you can write off your capital purchases, fixed assets, through Section 179 of the uh, regulation, and you get a 100% bonus on de- depreciation. Uh, the and qual- that's a big deal. That's, that's a big deal in terms of being able to depreciate more quickly. Uh, some of the individual tax rates are lower, but uh, my, my guy also said that you, you really need to also consider payroll taxes and other tax issues when you're starting a pastor entity. And again, pastor entity could be an LLC, could be a sole proprietorship. There are pros and cons to, to those uh, that, that focus somewhat, at least here in North Carolina, on liability issues. And that those are the key things that people need to be thinking yeah. about, not just the taxes. Yeah, so you, you can reduce and, and manage your liability risk issues by uh, forming an LLC. Um, That's but, always my recommendation for a small business owner to at least look at first, again, versus a sole proprietorship. That's easy. We can start one today. You and I could start one right now if we wanted to. That's right. That's right. Um, and, again, good news is an LLC can be started very quickly and inexpensively, and that 
that does give you some protection from the liability standpoint. All right, so here's a, here's a question um, that uh, you know, maybe, is, maybe is appropriate for us. Do you, because we work at community college, we, we, we work with some younger people, do you have advice for working with uh, millennials or generation, Gen Zers? You know, which, you know, I wasn't totally sure where the, the break-off was there. I think that it's uh, technically people born after 1995 are considered yeah. the Gen Z. Gary, you have a lot of interaction with students. I do. You know, what's, uh, what's, your, what's your thought on that one? Well, with the millennials, and, uh, I think they have some very good traits. Very different. Uh, I think that they're a little bit more independent maybe a little bit sometimes too independent and and saying hey things kind of need to be it this way as opposed to kind of going along with uh, what maybe a company wants or maybe the uh, rules are for the organization they're working with and I think that causes some challenges for the uh, mm-hmm. employees as well as the employer now I hear more about the Gen Z and I have one and they maybe are a little bit more I guess people said, well, they kind of live through the, the deep recession and some of the different things that are a little bit more practical and a little bit more um, motivated to know that they're going to need to take care of themselves and do some things uh, to be successful. And that's probably a little bit different. Than, and that is different than the millennials. I, I won't be uh, soft on that. I think the millennials I have, they have some great traits and very creative and different things like that. But dealing with the rules of the... Uh, normal day-to-day things, mm-hmm. not so much, and maybe the Gen Zs are going to be a little bit more that way. Yeah, I, I, does that I mean, make I, sense? Well, it, it does. I mean, to me, I I, I think that um, that that you, you know, in my experience, uh, providing some explanation for why you're doing certain things as opposed to just providing orders and saying go do this yeah. uh, helps. Um, yeah, you, you know, you're talking a little bit. I think about the fact that um, there there needs to be more, maybe more flexibility in the workplace, and not not being too rigid about uh, you know this is how we do things. If you, you know, if, if you're sincere in wanting to uh, create a workplace that is one in which millennials or, or uh, Gen Z is going to enjoy working in and, and might want to keep working in and not just uh, leave after a few months, um, you know, providing some flexibility in how the work is done. You know, I think asking opinions, asking for their opinions and listening to their opinions and using them where you can is good. And, you know, and, and I'll also throw, back, throw out there that I think that some of them are, are very community-oriented. So if there are ways that... Uh, uh, you can your your company can engage and, and do positive things for the community. I think that there might be some appreciation uh, as far as that goes. So, so I'll well, that's the thing. I just wrote down something as you're talking when we're the tapping into talent. We uh, met with some folks that are looking at trying to develop applications for businesses to kind of set up a flex schedule for accommodating maybe our millennials or folks coming through starting in the workforce now because they may be uh, working going to school but they're also eight to five jobs aren't necessarily what they're excited about 
they may be more excited about working four here, four hours here and four hours there. And uh, companies are desperate to have good, hard-working people. So if they can develop a, a program to deal with the help the, with the flexibility, maybe think about when you were talking about it. Uh, I think that's a challenge. It's something kind of brand new to us old schoolers. But I, as the more we talked about, the more I said that makes a lot of sense for folks, whether they you know, going to school and working and other commitments, maybe for taking care of their parents or their fa- grandparents, then maybe that normal eight to five job or even the second shift job doesn't fit. And if a company can work around that, that's going to make them more successful. Uh, their employees will be happier because they'll know they're being accommodated uh, or uh, their thoughts are being considered. Yeah, and and, I, and I, I don't think there's one right answer to it. Mm-hmm. In that, you know, I've got I've got two kids that are right in that that range and and you know my daughter just graduated with an accounting degree and she's a rule follower and my son uh, is a in college and i i think at this point in his life the thought of working a desk job for 40 hours a week uh, would crush his soul you know so uh you know he, he's well, i understand that i was gonna say i've got uh i guess i Two millennials, if we put them in, and one Gen Zer, but uh, the, the Gen Zers. And I think she does think, okay, I'm going to have to have a job and do these things, but she's going to do it on her terms and travel the world. And uh, somehow, I hope that sounds like a great job. Uh, but she does think that she, or understand that she's going to have to have a job to follow her uh, interest in uh, traveling and doing different things. All right, next question. <laughs> I lost you. Okay, we got to keep the show moving here. All right, so you know, we got a lot of questions. You know, we we, we want to start talking talk about my kids. And then yeah, I forget your kids. I'm sorry. Yeah, forget my kids too. So <laughs> it wasn't about our kids. This is to help our listeners. So. Hi, I'm Alan. I'm Chris. And we're the co-host of Foot Candle Films, a movie review and film discussion show here on TheMesh.TV. Each episode, we talk about some new movies, cover some film news, and have some recommendations. And trust us, we're just as likely to talk about the latest Jim Jarmusch film as we are the newest Transformers installment. Hold on, don't get too crazy. Uh, well, okay, maybe not that bad. But you can find our show and all our episodes on TheMesh.TV. Plus, you can subscribe to get new episodes delivered right to your computer or mobile device. We'll see you in the ticket line. Next question. Started with an expletive, which I will not say. I am tired of working for the man. What should I do? Should I buy a VW microbus or Vanagon and go all around the country selling Baedic and my homemade yogurt at Renaissance fairs? And I didn't know what Baedic was either. Yeah, okay, I mean, what is Baedic? It's some sort of waxed apparel, arty sort of thing, you know, which... Sounds pretty niche I don't know. I'm not sure that's the way I would go. But so, you know, I, I took that question and, and, I, and I guess I twisted it a bit. And, and number one, uh, I think this was from, from Pete in Manhattan. You know, we're, you know we're, not, we're not career counselors here. That's not really the work that we do here. Uh, but uh, I, I choose to interpret your question as what sort of new businesses are good ones to start this day, these days? You know, so I sort of did a little cruising uh, online and just from from experience to come up with some of the a little bit more unique and interesting new types of businesses that you that are that are successful and and you know a little bit off the beaten track and and here are a few to consider if you want to make that leap and that you really are tired of working for the man and want to do your own thing and again, it's going to depend on your personal experiences, it's going to and, and skills and and geography. 
so so things to think about. Number one, microbrewery, mm-hmm. you know, the craft beer movement still going strong, particularly here in North Carolina. Yeah, it does take some capital. Number two, food trucks. It's gonna, that's going to be my next one I would have suggested. You know, particularly if you're in a, a more urban area, yep. uh, food truck. You know, I, I suspect you have to have some culinary skills. That would probably be good, too. <laughs> so consider that. Translation and language services. Here was an interesting one. Healthy vending machines. You know, so you, yeah, healthy vending machines. Here's an interesting one. Drone rentals. So uh, you want to run out of drone? I would get insurance. We know it's interesting. You mentioned that. Uh, I had a, a faculty member at the college talk about he had several drones, and he was talking about going into a rental business for us. And I said, that makes a lot of sense, actually, instead of just sitting around there seeing if you could generate some extra revenue uh, off your assets. There you go. Drone rentals. Um, uh, I, I actually know who sent us this question, so this probably wouldn't be a good one for you. But dating consultant, you know. So, uh, well, actually, I thought this last one was from you because the expletives that started, and I'm tired of working for the man. <laughs> <laughs> not, not me. Not going to go there. <laughs> uh, some other ideas: smartphone repair. You know, if you if you have that technical type skill, social media consultant. If you're if you're into the social media, mm-hmm. and then you know someone like Gary or I are starting businesses, and, and we're not as social media savvy, yeah. we need that sort of uh, assistance. Um, a lot of niche pet businesses are out there. Anything from teaching parrots to talk to teaching cats to use your toilet. There are businesses out there doing all sorts of strange things with pets, and people will pay lots of money to. For, for, for pet-related businesses. Was this, would you want to talk about your entrepreneurship teams? Business uh, idea. Well, they have an idea of combining a, a salon with a pet grooming business so that when you uh, are getting your hair done, you can watch your pet being uh, groomed as well. That's a pretty, pretty creative idea. Mm-hmm. Taking two sort of traditional businesses, combining them in an interesting way, which is an always, always a good a good way to look at it. And the final thing on our, our on my list list here was uh, SEO expert, search engine optimization expert. If you can help people mm-hmm. get found on the internet, you are you can be a very valuable commodity out there. So, well, so. it goes back, and you've talked about it three or four times. Is people say, okay? Well, I got to go do this, go on the internet, or do that uh, type of marketing or whatever, because that's what I hear everybody's doing. But you got to make sure you're doing it for the right market, and that. And that you're doing it the best way possible. Just getting on the internet or just is not the way to do it. It's not, you could get spend a lot of time and energy for uh, no payback. So I think that's a very good yeah. Uh, job. Yeah, I mean that's 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 a great skill. If you yes. if you have it, you can uh, monetize it. Another question: Should I allow my employees to bring their dog to work? The dog is super cute. Actually, that's what made me think of the uh, combination hairstyling and uh, pet salon. <laughs> What's, where do you fall out on the uh, the dog question, Gary? I love dogs. Yeah? yeah. <laughs> you, you're saying it's okay to, for me to bring mine to work? Well, you know, again, I'm old school. Yeah. But I'm, I'm becoming newer school or younger school. I'm not sure. I do see the benefits of it. I see it around our campus with service dogs and different things that uh, it ha- does have an impact. Now, how you would manage that um, but I, does Google do this? Do I, 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 
I don't know. I mean, Google's got a lot of benefits. There's a yeah. lot of things. I mean, they, they might have a, you know, maybe you bring your dog to work on Fridays. I don't yeah. know. Or, you know, like service dogs we've got on our campus. And, yeah. I mean, uh, to me, service dogs are a little bit of a separate they, issue. That yeah, is a different it's, issue. It's, to me, it's, you know. But, I mean, it, service dog from the standpoint of so people can come up and just pet them. It's not for the individual, a specific individual, but yeah. it's kind of a offering a, Service. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, to me, it's sort of you know, if it's a startup business and you know, you're trying to be cool and hip and you like dogs, you know, hey, that's great. You know, I hope they don't pee on your carpet, that sort of thing. That's well, know. it also would depend, like, if you got a food business, <laughs> yeah, yeah. something different like that, probably wouldn't be as appropriate as it would be. In yeah, some actually, other actually, here in North Carolina, if you want to create a commercial kitchen in your home, you can't have pets. Yeah, you're, that's you're, what I, you're, 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 I think. As soon so, as you said that. Yeah, so you know, you you we don't want to eat the hair of the dog, so uh, we we want to avoid that. Um, all right, moving along. Next question: Where can we find super excellent people like you guys to help me with my business? You wrote this question. I did not. <laughs> what if I'm not located in Western North Carolina? How much should I pay them? And my advice to you is number one: first, check with the Small Business Administration because mm-hmm. they are connected with a group called SCORE, as in Score a Basket. And SCORE is a nonprofit group that is dedicated to helping small businesses get off the ground and grow through mentorship and education. They've been around for over 50 years, they're affiliated with the Small Business Administration. They've got over 10,000 volunteers, usually retired executives, that are able to work with you. uh, And and depending where you live, hopefully they can connect you to someone that's got experience with your particular industry. So so my advice to you is before you pay any money, you want to check with the SBA or, or go online and just see what sort of resources are available for you uh, for free in your state before you before you spend anything i'm always a big proponent when you're in business startup mode uh, uh, you have to manage your expenses Uh, don't start writing checks until it hurts so if there are free resources out there take advantage of them now, if you run out of that, you know, I'm happy to assist you for a very large fee. You can contact <laughs> me through the mesh, uh, the mesh.tv at the uh, e-exchange at the mesh.tv. So, you know, once, once you go through those free resources, we're happy to help. So any other thoughts on that one, Gary? No, I think it's, uh, I think that's a very good uh, piece of advice to look at the SBA and score cause, and look at those local resources again. Uh, depending where's Pete from in Manhattan uh, or uh, in the Northeast, we have a lot of community colleges in our area, so that there'd be a great resource if you were in this area. And I'm, but I'm, and every other state has uh, great community colleges and other organizations that can help them for a little or no cost at first. And I think that is mm-hmm. that'd be the first place I'd be looking to. All right, we're sort of winding down here because we uh, we. No, we don't want to take too long, but uh, one of our last questions was, what are your thoughts about franchises? Yeah, so we, franchises, pro or con, Gary? Well, you know, I've spent several years in the franchise business, so uh, when I saw that question, I, my eyes lit up. Um, and being, and I was a franchisor and then a franchisee of the franchisor, so I got to see it from both ends. 
probably is a little bit more I don't know, jaded or whatever because I had the inside look at what was going on at the franchiser. So that probably gave me a little bit more of an advantage over other franchisees, just understanding the system and how things go. But I like the franchise concept. I mean, if it's a good business concept that is being franchised, then I think franchises can be a good way to get yourself started with some support. I mean, again, I said that's key, that it's a good franchiser, a strong franchiser that's going to provide you the support. If you're getting it involved with a franchise or that doesn't have the resources to help you, then you're probably going to be paying fees for things that you may not get a return on. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, does that make I mean, sense? Yeah, and the, and, the, and the benefit, you know, you, in, in terms of the support, that's great. You're also hopefully working with a, a franchise that's got a established brand name. So, from from a marketing yes. perspective, you know, you're you're way ahead of the game. And that if you're if you're a franchisee, and and you know, to to help with this question, I also I, I went online and, and to Entrepreneur Magazine to look at the best franchises to open in 2018, and you know they're for the most part, companies that we have all heard of. Uh, number one was McDonald's. Right. Uh, you know, I, 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 was, I had a, uh, a professor in graduate school that uh, claimed that we were all uh, had a chip implanted in us that required us to go to McDonald's at certain points in our life. So, so we all show up at McDonald's at some point. Well, I show up at McDonald's several times a day. I know. <laughs> for the 32-ounce Cokes. You keep your slim figure. We don't know. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's very strange. Uh, 7-Eleven, Dunkin' Donuts, UPS Store, Remax, Sonic Drive-In, Great Clips, Taco Bell, and Sports Clips are all like in the top ten list of Entrepreneur Magazine's uh, preferred uh, or recommended franchises for 2018. Well, it's a little bit scary because all the junk food, the Dunkin' Donuts I was at this morning, Taco Bell, Sonic was last night. And this is the honest to goodness truth. <laughs> so, uh, so there you I go. I live by the franchise. But, and I would say Chick-fil-A would be one uh, that I'm, we're very high on. They've, we have a very close relationship with our local Chick-fil-A uh, owner-operator, mm-hmm. and they do an outstanding job. And, and, uh, from and, and, a business standpoint, as well as developing their and our students, and and we've had some behind the scenes tours there, and yes. and uh, they they run a great great operation. They really yeah, do. So, so. Um, so anyway, that uh, that was our our list of franchises. Now we now we did have some other questions out there, and and our our time is running short. Some were some were a little bit smart alecky, and uh, you know you know borderline inappropriate. Uh, you know, from when Russia takes over the U.S., will the dollar still be accepted currency? Can I trust people? Um, should I let's say I am a late night person? Can you recommend a field of work to me that I can do overnight? I also like talking on the phone. Yeah, yeah. So bitcoins. You know, you know some questions about bitcoins. Uh, you know, some things about uh, asking us to weigh in on the the Me Too movement, which we're we're not going to do today um, because we we do want to continue doing this podcast and and whatnot. So anyway, we. We do want to thank all of our listeners for, for providing us 
with a full mailbag and uh, giving us some some good stuff to chew on. And uh, once our mailbag fills up again, we'll 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 do another mailbag edition. So that sounds good. I have one. I want. Should I hire my ex-wife's brother-in-law to be my accountant? What, you know, what, uh, I don't know. I guess if if uh, if you're the if you're the brother-in-law, yes. But like, yeah. if if I am, probably not. I, I, I don't have a lot of accounting experience. So, I would say that we want to make sure we have the best people who have our back uh, behind us. Whoever is working with us. Well, I, how's that? I, I think that's good. There was also a question on, uh, I hear sports betting is legal now. How can I become a legal bookie? You know, and I, I just want to, you, you, I will register a complaint with the colleges that when I tried to access my sports book uh, online gambling account with their new firewall, I can't get can't there now. can't get there? Yeah, so, so my research was limited on that one. I'll keep trying. Keep though. trying. Just keep working on that. Yeah. We might be able to break through the firewall. Well, once football season starts, I need to be able to get to that website, Gary. <laughs> so, so anyway, I just, I just, yeah, we'll we'll work that we'll work out offline. Anyway, let's let's move on to our small businesses of the month, and uh, and and you told me that you have a small business this month that's a little bit uh, out of the ordinary for you. So, what, what's your small yes, business? Yes, this of is the really month? cool for me. Okay. Our small business of the month is Booze Pops Food Truck Business of Charleston, South Carolina, which Tammy, my wife, and I tried out last weekend. You were you were tried out Charleston or Booze Pops? Both. Okay. Nice. All right. And, of course, I'm sure you're surprised because you know I have a little allergy to alcohol, uh, but Tammy doesn't. <laughs> She's not a drinker either. But uh, Tammy pointed out to me while we were walking in the historic area, so we went over and talked to one of the owners who, by the way, was very nice. We learned that it was started by a veteran and at a birthday party, and it was a brilliant idea, which uh, we certainly thought it was. I mean, they were sitting right outside the park, and they had a lot of business. It was the brainchild of Woodrow, or Woody, at this birthday party, and Norris, a former U.S. Army mechanic, after his tour in Iraq, uh, they got together, and they were looking at how we could do some things to offer popsicle, popsicles infused with alcohol. Similar off of our uh, talk about uh, marijuana and different things like that. Except this is probably a little bit more legal, but go ahead. This is pretty legal, I think, yes. Okay. And Woody immediately wondered if anything that was available on America's favorite pastimes, and he looked at ice cream trucks. And so they basically, not basically, they have a food truck that sells um, alcohol-infused popsicles that they... Very good. They had it marketed with 5% alcohol, which was uh, strawberry daiquiri, which I can tell you was very good. Okay. Uh, then they had uh, 8%. Not sure where they came up with 8% for certain types of uh, products. And then 15%. So if you really uh, like, wanted to go the, hard. Like with a skull and crossbones yeah. sort of thing. Don't, yeah, don't exactly. try this at it had home a little for, bit of cross for and, you know, okay. Uh, but we didn't try that. And then, of course, they had ice cream for children. So the whole family could enjoy the food truck. And they were very popular uh, that day. And uh, I can just see that I think they started two years ago. And they're up to three trucks in Charleston. And then they have a fourth truck that goes to uh, University of South Carolina football games and planning to uh, branch out into other areas. And I think this is a perfect example. You mentioned food trucks. I think this is a nice niche that would fit perfectly in a Charleston or other resort areas where you have people coming in. 
on weekends and uh, all throughout the summer. And it was, uh, like I said, the folks were very nice. Uh, it was very straightforward. Again, you could get ice cream sandwiches to whatever 15% alcohol was. I think it was a martini, <laughs> uh, which I've never well, had yeah, in my life. I See, now I'm, I'm glad that you're spreading your wings. Yes. Al- alcohol generally makes people nicer and that, until it doesn't. That's right. It, so. it keeps you nicer to a, and you fall right. in that next category. That's right. But it, we were really impressed with the, the business, and it really hit home. So, uh, of course, Tammy being a, an avid listener to our show said this is a perfect uh, small business of the month. Well, and, so, and we needed a sample. Um, and she probably needs that to get to the end of our podcast. That's exactly that's, right. That's She's right. probably uh, mm-hmm. taking a strawberry daiquiri uh, as we speak. Well, cheers to Tammy. So, <laughs> so my small business of the month. I, so, so one of the things that piqued my interest when, when I was doing research on good businesses to start was I, I read about this healthy vending machine thing. So I actually found one. It's a, a company it's called... Nice. Complement what I just talked about. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is what you'll eat before you get your dessert with Gary. But uh, it's called Farmer's Fridge, and it's a Chicago startup that sells healthy food through vending machines, primarily in the Midwest. They were founded in 2013. They sell breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snack foods from their vending machines. They operate primarily in Chicago, and they've just started uh, opening, uh, putting machines in Milwaukee as well. The founder and CEO's name is Luke, Sa- Luke Saunders, and he said the idea behind the company is to make fresh food more accessible than a candy bar. They have a chef-curated menu which features real food with all produce cut by hand for every meal. You'll see things such as Almond butter oatmeal for breakfast, Southwest, Southwest salad with corn and avocado for lunch, salmon nequois for dinner, and snacks such as pineapple coconut chia pudding. It also serves one more indulgent item, chocolate trail mix. Prices for salads and meals range from $4 to $12. All dishes are cl- created by a classically trained chef and a registered dietitian, and there's nutritional information on their website. Their fridges are restocked every day. Meals and snacks stay in the fridge for 24 to 48 hours based on the product's shelf life, and all unsold items are donated to local food pantries. Mm. Um, they have 70 employees. Uh, they're uh, pretty close to having 200 locations. Uh, seem to be growing. They've got some funding. So anyway, if you are in the Midwest or maybe as they expand uh, to other cities, you should be looking for Farmer's Fridge, and you can go to www.farmersfridge.com and read more about them if you're interested. So Very interesting. So check it out. Yeah. If you've got a suggestion for our Entrepreneur Exchange Small Business of the Month, please email them to us at eexchange at the mesh.tv. We appreciate uh, the questions from our listeners. We appreciate you joining us today and listening. We want to thank uh, the Mesh Podcast Network. You should all go to themesh.tv and check out uh, the variety of podcasts that they offer. And you can download us uh, there at themesh.tv or you can subscribe at iTunes. And we look forward to talking with you again next month. This was fun. Enjoyed looking at all these questions. All right. Thanks a lot. We'll see you again. Take care.
You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.